Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome to another episode of the Steelers Draft Fix. My name's Jeremy Betts. Happy to be back with you again, as always, with Andrew Wilbar. Andrew, how are you today? I'm doing well. It's been an interesting week of free agency. It's going to be interesting to see how it impacts the draft. Absolutely. Um, we're going to dive into all of that here in this show today. But first, the PSA is that this podcast is part of the BehindTheSteelCurtain.com podcast network. There are, I believe, more than more than 10 different podcasts available from uh behind the steel curtain.com that if you're a Steelers fan, you need to check out so many different podcasts that cover all types of Steelers content. And you don't want to miss a single second of it, especially this off season as the Steelers undertake so many changes and uh, try to keep up with the other teams in the AFC and within their own division as well. We'll let other podcasts handle some of that information, but we do want to talk about, um, the draft and some free agency stuff in this podcast. The Steelers draft fix is all about Steelers additions uh, in this off season. So I wanted to remind listeners that you can always uh, keep up with some of the content that you're getting in this podcast online as well at behind the steel curtain.com. You can see the BTSC big board that Andrew uh, hosts and runs as well as mock drafts and uh, analysis on all the different prospects that you'll see in this upcoming draft from us and from others at behind the steel curtain.com. Don't forget to check it out. Your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, Andrew, it was a very interesting free agency. I went on record at the end of last week's show saying, I didn't think the Steelers were going to actually add a free agent quarterback. And then what do they do? First move, first day of free agency, first hour, really of free agency. They go out and get a free agent quarterback. Mitchell Trubisky is going to be donning number 10 for the black and gold now how do you feel about that signing i'm excited and i mentioned it last week i believe it was last week um but i know my perfect offseason article last week i put him in there uh and it honestly the contract makes a lot more sense than even the one that i was proposing that was about 10 million per year this just makes so much more sense getting about what was it i think like a base salary about seven mil per year and it Yep. His total salary could add up to about 26 million over two years, I believe, if he gets all the incentives. Uh, just makes so much sense for both sides. I think he's a great fit for Matt Kansas' offense. I'm excited to see what he's going to do. Yeah, me too. I think he's got a definite scheme fit, and the fact that he wanted to play in Pittsburgh really helped out um, Omar Khan and uh, Colbert and company uh, get a contract in place that is team friendly. Uh, that would also be a, a, a solid contract for Trubisky if he put in starter quality reps over the next two years. We'll see how that goes, and we'll talk about how that affects the draft a little bit later, but I do want to jump into a couple offensive linemen that the Steelers picked up. We knew going into this free agency period that offensive line was going to be a big factor, and Mason Cole, the center guard from Minnesota, I think is where he played last, and then James Daniels um, coming in, the guard, uh, from Chicago uh, are two guys that I think you probably see starting in the lineup very early in 2022. What do you think? I agree. Mason Cole was the guy I really wanted at center. I think he's a great fit for what the Steelers are trying to do on the offensive line. And of course, James Daniels, a great zone blocker, a little bit more expensive. And as I was going to say later on, but I'm going to go ahead and say it right now, 
I, I liked a lot of the signings the Steelers made. It was more the philosophy behind it that I wasn't quite as big a fan of. Because I had mentioned before, I prioritize the tackle position more. Obviously, the Steelers, they generally build from the interior of the line. And I, I just felt like in this draft, there were better options at guard than there were at tackle. Obviously, the Steelers brought back a core core on a very bloated contract. But I felt like there were more answers the Steelers could find at guard in the draft than they could at tackle. So I was a little bit not disappointed in James Daniels for sure, because I, I think he's going to be a great signing, but I felt like that money could have been better used on a different offensive tackle. Yeah. Offensive tackle going unaddressed so far, other than bringing back a core four is very interesting to me. I thought that that would be a, an area along the offensive line that was more of a focus and you still have some big name, big time tackles out on the market. So maybe the Steelers aren't done there. Maybe they're trying to, uh, work out a deal with somebody. Um, but we'll talk about a core four in a, in a little bit, but I think you and I both agree that there were better and potentially cheaper options in the free agent market that they could have gone after. I agree. Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we'll talk about a core four here in a minute. Uh, cornerback Levi Wallace comes over from Buffalo solid zone style. Cornerback played uh, the CB two role over there in Buffalo uh, behind Tredavious White, and uh, figures to be something of a similar role here in Pittsburgh. I wondered what you thought of the Wallace signing. I like the player. Again, it's just schematics. I was really hoping the Steelers would change to a more man-oriented philosophy with Terrell Austin and Brian Flores coming in. They both mixed in a lot of man concepts into their schemes and their previous stops as coaches. So at Levi Wallace, he's going to be a zone corner. Uh, he's a good zone corner. I, for $4 million, I think it's a nice value signing. He, and I think he's going to be, he's going to be the Steelers number two corner more than likely unless, and maybe we'll get into this the week we talk about corners. The Steelers only paid $4 million to kill a Witherspoon. Just basing it off the amount of money that he was paid. I feel as if the Steelers are still going to add to this possibly through the draft. Maybe you have Witherspoon as the number two corner and you move Levi Wallace into the slot, which I think would make a little bit more sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. But I think we can kind of see that Mike Tomlin has his hand in the defensive scheme a lot with some with this signing specifically and his traditional Tampa two-style defense. And you are seeing a little bit of a comeback with that, um, that style uh, with the big-arm quarterbacks and high-powered offenses that are just stretching the field um, beyond anything we've ever seen before. So, you know, it's, it's an interesting concept. Maybe Wallace fits what Mike Tomlin likes in a corner. We'll see how it goes with the new uh, coordinator and defensive assistant uh, in Pittsburgh. Miles Jack, I think this was the signing that um, most Steelers fans went nuts over. They were very excited about it. But, uh, I th- you know, he's, he's a solid player. He's not exactly what you and I have discussed uh, that the Steelers might have been looking for. Do you think um, he fills a replace Devin Bush type role or a side by side with Devin Bush, Batman to his Robin type situation? I am really concerned about what the Steelers are thinking here. I know they have more insights on Devin Bush than I do, but Miles Jack is not a buck linebacker. They, he, they tried to put him in that role. He failed. That's why the Jaguars brought in Joe Schobert from the Browns to try to fill that role. He failed at that role. And then the Steelers brought him in, assuming that he could be that in Pittsburgh. And obviously last year, he wasn't that either. 
So I don't know exactly what the Steelers are doing here. Maybe they do the same thing and try to fit Miles Jack in as a buck linebacker. Maybe it'll be different this time. I don't know. Maybe I would say it would be insurance for Devin Bush, but I'm not, I don't think the Steelers would be paying $8 million a year for insurance for Devin Bush. So I'm very concerned with what the philosophy is here. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Steelers still add another linebacker in the draft. That being more of the buck style linebacker, because that is definitely not what Miles Jack is. Sure. And I wanted to ask you, because my thought with this is maybe the Steelers are looking at kind of a scheme change, if you will, on defense and really going to more of a consistent four, three or even four, two look with an extra defensive back on the field, just staying in that sub package D that kind of feels like what this signing would lean to with an athletic, albeit smaller linebacker in miles Jack. Does that make sense to you? Or do you see kind of a conflicting philosophy here that would lead to maybe some trouble? Well, I think they're going to run a lot more of that two, four, five defense, which they've been running a lot of a lot of nickel, uh, just the Steelers have been transitioning to a lot more sub packages. And I'm curious, and I, I, I don't want to say for sure, but I believe it was Jeffrey Bendix who said something in the Slack channel. I'm not positive, so don't quote me on it. But I know that somebody had mentioned the idea of him possibly being maybe like an oversized safety, a hybrid safety linebacker. Maybe that's something that will happen with Miles Jack. It's just really difficult to see what's going on at this point, and we probably won't have an idea until after the draft as to how we plan to use him. But it's, it's just really weird. I don't see the Steelers transitioning to anything like a 4-3 defense. I believe they have the linebacker set. They're going to stay in that 3-4 scheme that's been with the Steelers for a long time. Mm-hmm. But they've run so much 2-4-5. It'll be curious to see if they just maybe try moving Miles Jack around, making him kind of that hybrid defender. Yeah, the 2-4-5 makes sense with that type of, of signing. And uh, obviously a, a guy that they value the athleticism of and the age – still an experience that he's had. So a, definitely an intriguing signing by the Steelers and a, an upgrade at what they had last year. I think we can agree on that for sure. Uh, and then the other guy um, that has come in from the outside so far is the return man from New England. Andrew, do you know how to say his last name? I'm going to go with Gunnar Olszewski. Is that correct? I believe it is Gunnar Olszewski. Something Olszewski, like that, okay. Olszewski, something, I believe it's Olszewski. I think that's, okay. you, I think you had it correct. Okay. Well, I'm sure we will um, get clarification on that down the road, but um, he was a, a guy I'd seen on Twitter, uh, some uh, people in the know. And I think you had mentioned him yourself um, as a potential replacement for Ray Ray McLeod. What do you think of uh, Gunner and his role in this, on this team? I believe he's a guy that's going to fit what Matt Kanda likes. He's not very fast, believe it or not. And you think by looking at his kick return numbers, you're like, oh, man, this guy's, you know, got to be this McCall Hartman type returner. He's not. But he's very quick, and he can change direction really quickly. And, you know, that is really just as important as straight line speed at sometimes. So I I think it's – he's going to be Ray McLeod's replacement as the main kick returner. The Steelers actually invested in a guy who specializes in returning. I don't think he was going to bring – even as much to offense as Ray McLeod did, but you're getting probably a more consistent kick and punt returner than McLeod for about half the price that McLeod got with uh, the 49ers. So I believe this is a decent value sign. Didn't pay too much. And if he can come in and have the same success he did with new England, it's definitely worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I definitely sent the eyes emoji when I saw Ray Ray McLeod's uh, contract on Twitter. (laughs) That was, that was a little big for, uh, 
what I was thinking he would fetch either with the Steelers or somewhere else. And that's all the, all the receivers are that. I mean, it's incredible. Zay Jones getting oh $10 million a year. I mean, I mean, who would have thought this? I mean, that's more than what Juju the shoes is getting. I mean, his deals are like 3 million plus 7 million in incentives. And then right. you have, uh, was it Christian Kirk? $21 Christian million Kirk. a year. That, that's a, I mean, that is insane. He is not anywhere near a top three wide receiver in the NFL. I mean, it is mind boggling how much these receivers are making, let alone in a draft that is loaded with wide receivers. And it's yep. been that way for the past three or four drafts. Yeah, I know you're, you're really, you saw a Jacksonville Jaguars team with a lot of money and a lot of needs and they just overspended overspent, excuse me for uh, him and others. But I think we got to give it to uh, guys named Kirk. They know how to get money in the NFL. <laughs> um you know it's a it's a crazy league and we'll see everything shake out how it's supposed to in the end but um an inflated contract that uh we talked about briefly earlier that hit the Steelers is a core for and uh I guess we heard that there's there were some other offers from other teams um young guy with experience I get that but he was a liability especially as a run blocker on that offensive line. How is it that he's getting 25 plus million dollars over three years to stay with Pittsburgh? This one makes no sense to me at all. I, and I don't know if it's just a guy that fits the zone scheme and the Steelers are buying all into the zone scheme. I don't know if his contract, we just don't know the full details of yet. And it's $2 million base salary. And the other $8 million per year is just for being a lead blocker on a successful running play at some point during the year. This makes absolutely no sense at all. This guy was a liability last year. A huge liability as a run as a run blocker. I mean, this is, to me, this cripples what Najee Harris could potentially do in the run game. This makes no sense at all from any angle. Way overpriced. I honestly think the Steelers could have gotten Tyrell Crosby for less than half this price, and he is – I could make the argument that he's twice as good as Chukumo Korofor is. So this, in my opinion, was a terrible signing. Definitely the worst that the Steelers have made this offseason. Yeah, there were Steelers fans and pundits alike scratching their heads with this one. And the few that were defending it were just going back to, well, he's a young guy with starting experience. Well, there were a lot of guys on the market with starting experience that you could have brought in and paid less to, in my Mm -hmm. opinion, and gotten much better production, especially in a, for a team that by all indications and, and word of mouth and everything is saying that they want to commit to a powerful running game that eliminates the need for the quarterback to be the main focus of the offense. And this signing doesn't uh, push for that at all. In my opinion, it gives, it takes you back a step and I know you got to protect uh, Trubisky and I know uh, some continuity along the offensive line is a plus, but a core four at that price should, should not have happened. Right. That's just how I feel about it. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. Okay. And then let's move on to Akella Witherspoon that the Steelers did resign um, to pair with Levi Wallace for now as the Steelers top two corners. Let's not forget about Cam Sutton as well. Still on the roster. Um, what did you think of bringing back Witherspoon? I liked it because of, how he played down the stretch and what the Steelers invested in him and for the price they, they paid to keep him. I don't think it, it was a, it was not a bad move at all. And he does have some upside, but I'm curious what your thoughts are on uh, Witherspoon. 
Well, the price I can get on board with it for sure. I thought he was going to be, go, he was going to go for a lot more, I thought, on the open market than what he did. Uh, for that price, I think he's a good number two. It's just that my concern is do the Steelers still go out and try to find a number one? Because if he's going to be your number one corner, there's going to be a lot of issues. But as a number two for four million bucks, yeah, I'll do that all day. It was a really good signing. Just not sure how he's going to fit. He's more of the man corner. Wallace is more the zone corner. I'm not sure exactly how they're going to do this. Are they going to do some weird combo coverages or what? I'm not sure exactly how they're going to play together, but it'll be an interesting pairing. It will be. One thing we know about Brian Flores is he mixed it up a lot. And uh, so I think giving the guy tools to work with that have different skill sets can be helpful, but you do need to see a consistent scheme fit as well. And we're not quite seeing that yet. So it'll be interesting to see how the draft goes and the remainder of the off season, what type of additions they make. And then as we um, start the season as well, we won't get a lot of these answers until we see the season begin uh, and actual games being played. Uh, See how they're fitting that in and trying to adjust for the big time offenses that they're going to have to face on a weekly basis in the AFC. All right. We had some losses uh, Steeler nation did this year in free agency. Ray Ray McLeod of all people was the first one to go, but two other wide receivers as well. Juju Smith Schuster and James Washington found new homes. Let's talk about Juju a little bit because um, he didn't get paid much at all. And you'd think if the Steelers wanted him, they could have matched that offer, but it sounds like Juju wanted to go somewhere else. Yeah. I don't really think either side really wanted each other bad enough. Juju hasn't done enough since Antonio Brown has left. He is a number two. He's a good receiver, but he's not as good as what fans make him out to be. And let me just say this, because I'm not going to dive into each of the wide receivers, but what's funny is that so many people were bashing my mock draft just a week ago about giving a receiver to the Steelers in the first round. And now all of a sudden I see people on Twitter saying, no, the Steelers may need to go wide receiver in the first round. (laughs) Right. And we, I mean, who really thought that we were going to retain especially more than one of these guys, but really most people expected these three guys to be gone. So I don't see what has really changed. I mean, unless these fans had some expectation that we were going to bring back two or three of these receivers, I just didn't see it. So, I mean, I think wide receiver is definitely a possibility in the first round if Jameson Williams is there. If the Steelers maybe trade back and reach for Sky Moore a little bit, I think it's possible. Yeah, it definitely is. And uh, Jamison Williams is intriguing because the Steelers need help now, <laughs> you know, at wide receiver, what, whatever they do. And uh, he won't be available for the early portion of the season, but when he would become available could be a huge spark for that offense. And uh, there are, there's a, it's a great deep class of wide receivers. So maybe, and we'll talk about this a- after the break. So I don't want to get too far into it. Maybe they push that back a little bit. Uh, because of the depth and go for something else but it for sure is a possibility it's one of probably four positions I could see the Steelers taking in the first round uh, Joe Schobert was a cap casualty and with the bringing in of Miles Jack was uh, unnecessary and more expendable um, and honestly we probably won't miss him on the defense that much as a player uh, production wise what do you think yeah, I don't think he's going to be missed. It's just it's just very weird to bring in the guy that he replaced in Jacksonville for the same role that Jack's going to be playing in Pittsburgh. I just I don't understand that, but we'll see what happens. We will. Yep. And then Zach Banner was cut cap casualty as well. And uh, a core of four is the guy at right tackle as far as we know right now. So yeah, that we'll see what happens. We we will. Uh, Tackle is definitely in play for the Steelers in the draft. 
and in free agency still, I think this next week will tell us a lot after the uh, markets have died down for some players. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Steeler Nation, don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're going to talk an updated draft strategy for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and then we're going to break down another position group for you, the interior defensive line. Mike Tomlin's been talking up somebody. Let's see who it is. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Steeler fans, to the Steelers Draft Fix. Andrew, we're going to talk your top five interior defensive line, and we're going to do some day two targets and some steals maybe on day three that the Steelers could look for along the interior defensive front. But before we do that, let's talk some draft strategy because as I see it, the Steelers' um, moves in free agency do affect it but maybe not to the extent that some are thinking. What do you think about the quarterback position? I think that it's still most definitely in play in the first round, even though you see some fans and some talking heads saying that uh, Trubisky solves their quarterback problem for 2022. What do you think? Yes, it's still in play. And I think Mr. Trubisky can be the answer for 2022 and maybe even beyond. But just because the Steelers signed a quarterback for about $7 million per year, does not really mean that they're done adding to that position. I think that it would make sense to move on from one of Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins. That hasn't happened so far. I don't really see the need to keep all three of those Trubisky, Rudolph, and Haskins in the same room. But I do think that the Steelers will probably look to add someone in the draft. It's just a matter of, with the addition of Trubisky, do they like a guy like Malik Willis enough to trade up for him as opposed to saying, hey, we've got Mr. Bisky, who we think is going to be better than what he was in Chicago, and he's going to be a solid starter for us. And maybe we can get a Desmond Ritter or a Sam Howell, who they may be high on. We'll either take him at 20 or we'll move up in the second round to get him, move back in the first round to get him, whatever the case may be. It'll be interesting to see what their strategy is. I don't think it's an emergency. You have to fill this need anymore. But I do think it's something that the Steelers will probably look to address. Yeah, I think so too. Um, maybe not as pressing in the first round. I do think this, this, it would be, uh, it's more of a stretch now to see the Steelers trading up for a quarterback at this point. I think, I think you'll see Kevin Colbert and company ride with the 20 pick and see who might fall to them. But if Malik Willis is gone, um, maybe even Kenny Pickett, I don't know if he's actually on the Steelers radar or not. I, I'm not getting the sense that he is, but, um, you know, if one or both of those guys are gone, then maybe at 20 they take BPA, best player available, and address quarterback later. But I do think you'll see a quarterback taken at some point in the draft. Um, it's starting to feel like, though, if they don't go quarterback, that cornerback or wide receiver or even offensive tackle could be a real possibility in uh, the first round do you have a kind of a ranking of those three positions as to which you think the Steelers would go at in this, at this point, go for it at this point. I think with quarterback, again, it depends who's available. I think I, 
I was confident in wide receiver just a week ago. I thought that there was a really good chance that could happen. But the more that I hear about Sky Moore and the more rumors I hear, it seems as if the Steelers are really hoping that he could fall to their second round pick. He would just be a typical Steelers pick. Not a very big receiver, but he's quick. Um, he's explosive. Uh, just in that same mold as Antonio Brown, Deontay Johnson. Uh, I, I think that corner is probably their number one need right now. You need a number one corner. Witherspoon is not it. I, Andrew Booth is my guy, and I've gone on record before saying it. I really like what he brings to the table in man coverage. He's physical. He's quick. He's, his ball skills are still developing. But if you can – I mean, Ike Taylor did not have, ever have great ball skills, but he could stick out on an island with one guy and just cover him one-on-one all day. And that's what the Steelers need. We haven't had a lockdown corner since Ike Taylor. I think Andrew Booth could be that guy if Terrell Austin and Mike Tomlin and Brian Flores, everyone involved, if they're willing to at least play a little bit more man, he's, he's okay in zone, but that's not his strength. I know Artie Burns, he was horrible in zone. I mean, Andrew Booth isn't quite to that level, but again, if if the Steelers were a man oriented scheme and Artie Burns came in, would Artie Burns have a different trajectory in his career than what he does right now? You know, I don't know, but I think Andrew Booth is a guy that he's got a ton of potential. I think he has a chance to be a truly elite corner. And if he's there at 20, he'd be tough to pass on. Absolutely. Very tough to pass up. And with uh, the the teams in front of the Steelers, I could definitely see him falling uh, past where the first few corners and uh, defensive backs are being taken in the draft. So, uh, and the Steelers had a um, had a big showing out at uh, the Clemson Pro Day. Clemson was very um, kind to the Steelers uh, guys that were there. Kevin Colbert got a a big. Uh, gift and, and a warm welcome there by Clemson and Dabo Sweeney and company. So the relationship there is good. I think that the Steelers could look um, Andrew Booth's way if he is there at 20 for sure. In fact, he would be, if he's there at 20 and uh, Willis is gone, then he would be my preference over basically anybody else uh, that the Steelers could potentially grab there. Um Offensive tackle, though, uh, at 20, I don't think you see guys there that the Steelers should make a reach for. The only person would be Trevor Penning, and that's a guy who um, I, you've said you're, you're not super high on, but maybe teams are. But I don't know if he would be a great option at 20 uh, with the uh, options later on down the road and with what the Steelers could, could potentially need at cornerback or wide receiver in the first round. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. That kind of covers Steelers draft strategy, how free agency week one has changed that a little bit. We'll have more updates along those lines as pro days commence, as free agency continues, and uh, we get closer to uh, selection day. But right now, we're going to talk interior defensive line. We're going to talk the big guys who push the, push the pile, who make – Uh, make the game what it is basically on the defensive side. If they can muck up a game on the front and be a huge presence up there, then you've seen teams like the 49ers and even the Steelers have a lot of success based on what the front seven guys can do. Interior defensive line though, is uh, a little bit of a question mark for Pittsburgh. Stefan Tuitt and his status are up in the air. Tyson Aluoglu's health is still up in the air. As far as we know, 
could be a position of need. And Mike Tomlin himself is on record as saying that he's got a, a high uh, thought of a couple of those Georgia Bulldog guys that we've talked about. So Andrew, with that in mind, let's get into your top five defensive linemen and we'll start with number five and work our way up. So who you got at number five? I have Oklahoma's Perry and Winfrey at number five. He tested out of his mind at the combine and senior bowl. He, I believe he only ran the 40, but he's six foot four, 290 pounds, an impressive 35 and a half inch arms, ran a four, eight, nine in the 40. He looked incredibly explosive in the on-field drills. And he, I mean, he was destroying people at the uh, combine. I believe the only interior offensive lineman who really gave him a true battle was Cole Strange from Chattanooga. There were not a whole lot of offensive linemen that had any success against Winfrey. He just ate offensive linemen up that week. And he had a nice season in 2021. I mean, he had 11 tackles for loss, five and a half sacks, but he did literally nothing in 2020. Right. And in the toughest games in 2021, which were Baylor and Oklahoma State, he recorded zero sacks in those games. He still had some tackles for loss. And he's a consistent disruptor, but he's not always a finisher. And I feel like that's something, you know, maybe he develops into through time. He's still a little bit raw, but his inconsistency is going to have some GM second guessing their opinions on. I think he goes probably second round at the latest third round. He's going to be a day two pick, uh, but there's definitely a lot of upside with Winfrey, a lot of athleticism, but there are some inconsistencies that I would have concerns about if I was considering drafting him. Yeah. He's definitely one of those guys that absolutely looks the part physical freak, athletic guy. Um, and teams covet that Steelers covet that Bud Dupree. Um, uh, let's see, trying to think of some other guys. Devin Bush. Yeah. Devin Bush, you know, guys who really fit that physical mold um, with the ability to grow and learn once they get into the, into the pros. Uh, he definitely fits that mold. Who you got at number four. I have DeMarvin Leal at number four. And he was, I believe he was arrested back in December, I want to say. I believe it was back in December. He got arrested. Um, I don't know what all happened. I think the charges were dropped, but I'm not positive. Um, it wasn't anything incredibly serious, but uh, I, that would bring up a couple of red flags in terms of off-the-field uh, character. Uh, but he's a very good penetrator from the interior. He had eight and a half sacks in 2021, 12 and a half tackles for loss. Uh, he does a good job, and this is one thing that I really like about good defensive lineman. You see Cameron Hayward doing it all the time. He does a good job getting his arms up when he doesn't get to the quarterback. He'll get his arms up and at least try to swat that pass away, make it more difficult for the quarterback to get rid of that ball. We saw Hayward do that a lot, especially this yeah. past year, a lot of tip balls. DeMarvin Leal, he does that as well. Um, and so there, I can understand where some people could compare him to maybe like a Cameron Hayward type player, but um, he plays with good athleticism and power. Um, but he doesn't have the greatest burst right off the snap. And you would think at his size, 290 pounds, you'd expect him to be a little bit quicker off the snap. There's just a few technical things he needs to clean up. Pad level is a little bit inconsistent because his hand usage isn't the greatest, but they're all fixable issues. He's got a lot of talent. I think he goes on day two. He's not going to go on day one, uh, but he's got a lot of talent, probably best fit in a, as a three technique and a four, three, he could probably fit as a five technique, in a 3-4, uh, he does have enough athleticism to do that, but I think a little bit undersized, he'd look better in a three-technique role. Maybe with a team like Kansas City, they still need some interior defensive line help. Absolutely. Um, he's interesting to me. Some some um, evaluators that I've read have him uh, in their top two or three guys, and uh, some have him top five, some have him outside of that. So he's kind of a wide-ranging prospect and somebody that we will see um, – 
we'll definitely see drafted probably uh, late day two, early day three is my guess for sure. Um, who are you going with at number three? This guy's one of my favorites, and we'll get into when we get into the day two targets, and that's Travis Jones from UConn. I yes. love this guy's tape. I know it's small school tape. But, man, he absolutely punishes defenders. He gets any chance he has to get on an interior offensive lineman's chest. If the interior lineman does not get his arms up quickly, especially when he's the zero tech, going up against the center, and the center has to snap the ball. He has the quickness off the snap to make it nearly impossible for the center to be able to gain leverage. He does a, has excellent hand usage. Uh, he's so powerful. He's got, uh, he's got a good build. It's not just like upper body strength or lower body strength. He just has great functional strength overall. He has good leg drive, uh, just an excellent penetrator, plays with a good pad level. The only concern is that he was going against lesser competition. But again, at the senior bowl, he was going against power five competition and he absolutely dominated for the most part. There were a couple, there were only a couple reps that I can even remember that he lost and the offensive lineman beat him. I mean, it didn't matter who it was. He was just wrecking defenders. I believe Jim Nagy even put out uh, on his uh, Twitter account one or two snaps from the senior bowl of Travis Jones, where he just totally dominated the defender. And I watched a couple of Jones's more difficult games, at least in terms of power five competition. And he did a really good job, even when the stats weren't there. He was a consistent penetrator, forced quarterbacks outside the pocket, run outside the pocket, He's a guy that would be a great fit as a nose tackle guy that I believe could develop into someone who has three down potential, obviously not always in that nose tackle role, but he has the versatility to even roll out as a three tech in a super jumbo package. You could even have him roll out as the five tech or in even an odd front in like a two, four, five for the Steelers Mm -hmm. and having him being kind of like that defensive end type role, but on the interior uh, you know, it would make so much sense for the Steelers to take Travis Jones if he's there at 52. Yeah, he's my favorite day two guy for sure. Um, just a, a powerful human being. <laughs> and uh, when you see a guy in small school competition dominate, that's what you that's what you want to see. He's dominating the other small school guys, and he's he's playing uh, big school uh, level um against small school talent so that's definitely somebody that uh should be on the Steelers radar in round two Uh, I don't think he makes it past round two with um the combine performance he put up and the tape that he's got out there so uh, Andrew let me ask you this before we get into your top two are these top two guys uh from the same school uh, no, I had Neil. I had uh, Noah Ellis at uh, number two. Uh, oh, okay, okay. Founder from uh, Idaho. No, 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 no. This is by far, it, pretty much. I'm dead set on these two being the top two guys. Okay. Travis Jones. I seriously considered moving him ahead of Devontae Wyatt. But I believe Wyatt does bring more three down potential. I just don't think he brings as much value to the Steelers. He's a good pass rusher from the interior. I was impressed with his combine performance. Um, and on tape, he did look really good. But he was surrounded by so much talent. And when Jordan Davis went off the field, he didn't do quite as good as a run blocker. I think a lot of that had to do with just the amount of space that Davis took up. Uh, I mean, he's not a two-gap defender. So I really think with Wyatt, you want him in a 4-3 scheme where he can be a three technique. I don't think he's a good fit with the Steelers. But then again, a lot of people didn't think Javon Hargrave was a good fit with the Steelers. I loved it just because I like that small school guy. I loved his tape. But, um, you know, I was was a little bit concerned when the Steelers brought Tyson Alu-Alu. I had to be perfectly honest. I was hoping we'd get more of a traditional type. No stack one. He's worked out fine. 
So I'll trust Carl Dunbar with whatever he wants to do with the defensive line. But sure. personally, I think he'd be better suited in a 4-3 system. Gotcha. Okay. So that brings us to your number one overall defensive tackle. Who you got? Yeah, this one's definitely Jordan Davis. Uh, you and I both love this guy. I've been on him since yes. the last draft cycle before he decided to go back to Georgia. And honestly, after the season he had, I really wish he would have declared last year. The Steelers could have maybe gotten him in that third or fourth round range where he was projected to go. Because obviously now he is a surefire first round pick, probably top 20 pick. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where he goes, though, because the Chargers, he was mocked to the Chargers a lot. But they brought in a lot of people on the defensive line in free agency. So that's not as big a need anymore. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes. The Browns likely trading that first round pick. So for Deshaun Watson. So I don't think they're in play for Jordan Davis. You right. know, I mean, there's not a whole lot of teams with a need at defensive tackle. The question comes to if the, if he's there at pick 20, do the Steelers take a position that some people would not consider a necessity, right. but at the same time, if you can get a guy like Jordan Davis with this much athleticism, a guy who could play all three downs, whether you, yep. you'd have him as the traditional nose tackle role on first and second down, and you can put him out on the outside as more of like a five tech, three tech. You can put him anywhere. The guy has the length to be any of them. He has the athleticism to play at any of them. And I really think he can succeed at any of them. So I, it's just a question. Do you take him or not? Obviously Tomlin said, I believe it was the Georgia pro day said something about, you know, I don't think the big guy is going to be on the board uh, when we're up to pick. So I don't know. Maybe maybe that's an indication that the Steelers are not going to trade up because he's saying, right. you know, well, he's not going to be there by the time we pick. So maybe the Steelers are trading up. That's something else we can get into once we get close to the draft with rumors. Sure. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what the Steelers do if Jordan Davis does fall there because it's going to be a neat next year. We know how the Steelers like to draft for a year in advance sometimes. Right. Maybe this is the way the Steelers go. He's an athlete. I love having the guy. He's has brings great energy. I think he shut up the people that said his conditioning was bad after that combine performance only got stronger really as his workout went on, never showed any signs of being tired, out of shape, anything like that. So I wouldn't have a problem with that pick. It's just, it would be a matter of who are you passing up uh, at other positions? If Davis is still available, I wouldn't take him over Malik Willis. And I would probably consider taking Andrew Booth before him just because of positional value, sure. but I wouldn't be disappointed with Jordan Davis at all. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's something to be said for making the defense as absolutely strong as you can in 2022, because you're going to have to ride it if you want to be successful. Um, this year, you don't have a franchise quarterback. As far as we know, don't have a franchise quarterback back there. Uh, it's a year of transition scheme wise on offense. It'll be uh, bumps in the road, I'm sure, especially earlier in the season on that side of the ball. So what do you do in that case? You make the defense as good as you possibly can. Jordan Davis would definitely help with the run game woes of last year. And I'm interested to see when he's asked to, because he will be asked to at the NFL level, when he's asked to rush the passer, when he's asked to play third down, fourth down, uh, obvious passing situations, how he can affect the game. Because if the combine was any indication uh, of his potential, you can see why um, teams are are kind of switching their thought process on Jordan Davis and why I'd love to see him in the black and gold. Uh, I saw him mocked to the Ravens, and I would absolutely hate that <laughs> uh, so much because I would hate for him to play uh, against Najee Harris two times a year because I think he's going to be a force to be reckoned with on the interior defensive line for sure. All right. Um, 
that's your top five. Some of those guys would be gone in the first round. Some of those guys will be gone on day two. Um, do you have anybody else on day two that you think the Steelers could kind of target um, after taking care of positions that have a greater uh, need for the team currently in 2022? You mentioned Travis Jones as, an, as a fantastic day two pick. Anybody else that you could see the Steelers kind of reaching up and grabbing and uh, or running that card up there and grabbing in round two or three? I really don't. I think this is a position that if you want a surefire guy, you're either taking Jordan Davis in the first or you're taking Travis Jones in the second. I don't see a whole lot of other options outside of some projects on day three. Sure. So let's get into day three then. Um, some guys that you think could uh, be a day three steals for, for the Steelers. Uh, but before you get into your guys, I wanted to ask you about one of my guys, um, Ohio State's Haskell Garrett. Do you think there's a Reunion of Ohio State guys in Pittsburgh with uh, uh, Haskins going, or I'm sorry, Haskell Garrett going to uh, team up with Cam Hayward. I think it's definitely possible if the Steelers wait until day three, he'd be in that mold that the Steelers have been going after in terms of their interior defensive line, slightly undersized for a nose tackle, but a guy who can apply some pressure to the quarterback. I'm not, I, I was a little bit disappointed as Tate this year. I felt like he regressed slightly uh, this past year, but maybe that was not having Tommy Togiai right next to him. Or, you know, I, I don't know what uh, the exact issues were, but sure. he wasn't quite as good as a pass rusher, didn't get quite as good to jump off the snap. There's some minor issues in this game, but, I mean, if he can run defend. He's a good run defender, and I think he'd be a safe pick. If you need him to come in and just be that two-down guy, I think he's a guy that you bring in, you know, maybe fifth round. I know Steelers on the fifth-round pick, but if that's all you're looking for in a guy, I think Garrett's an ideal guy to bring on day three, and he'll provide some quality snaps. Sure. I just like him because he plays at Ohio state, you know, so that was more biased than anything, but, uh, um, okay. So outside of the obvious choice of Haskell Garrett, uh, do you have anybody else that you like on day three? Well, since you get to choose an Ohio state guy, I guess it's only fair. I get to choose my Michigan guy. Okay. We're stopping the podcast right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, really they're similar styles. Chris is a he's a really good run defender. Not going to bring a whole lot as a pass rusher. I think he had one sack this year. Uh, but he, he's steady Eddie. He, in a, for guys like Aiden Hutchinson, David Ajabo, which by the way, when we get to the edge rush, it's going to be interesting to see where he falls. I'm not even sure where yes. to put him on my board after his injury. Right. Um, obviously I hope him nothing but the best in his uh, recovery. Uh, but uh, with hidden, you have to have guys on the interior of that defensive line to have guys like Hutchinson and Ajabo be dedicated solely to rushing the passer. And that's what Michigan had in Donovan Jeter and Chris Hinton. They were really dominant run defenders, and that's what really made the Steelers, the, the Wolverines defensive line and really in their entire defense go was being able to stop that run in the middle, and that's what allowed their pass rush to flourish. Yeah, he's very intriguing. I, I like his um, body type, and his tape is, is really good, too, for a potential day three guy. Did you have anybody else that you like? Um, Neil Farrell's a guy who did not test well at the combine. His tape is okay. He has some pass rushing skills, but he plays too high in the run game. Uh, that's Neil Farrell, defensive lineman from LSU. Matthew Butler, defensive line from Tennessee, probably third, fourth round. I, I think I have a late fourth round grade on him just because I'm not sure where he fits. He's undersized to be a uh, super interior defensive line guy. Is he a five-tech guy? I don't know. I'm just not sure if he has a perfect fit, really. I mean, will he be a guy that plays, you know, as a defensive lineman in sub-packages? Just guy that kind of can be versatile, move around. I don't know. And then Noah Ellis is a guy, his tape isn't too bad, but his he ran a horrible 40 time. I don't know what was it, like 5.6 seconds, yeah. something like that. And then he didn't do anything else at the combine, yeah. 
he just leaves right after that. I don't understand that. I mean, I don't understand why you would go to the combine. I run like the worst 40 time amongst defensive linemen. All right, bye. Have a good day. All right. See you in April. I mean, that, maybe not I anymore, right? Exactly. Maybe we won't see him in April. <laughs> right. I, that made no sense to me at all. Why, I don't know if he just had already decided that's all I'm doing, but I don't know if he's going to be a three down defender or not. But I think he's a guy that in the fifth, sixth round, he's a guy he's going to plug holes in the run game and he can actually get some penetration. It's just, what in the world was that combine performance? Is I mean, I don't, I don't want to say that's a lack of effort or anything right, like right. that. Maybe there's something else we don't know. Maybe he sustained an injury while running the 40 that we don't know about. But it was just really weird. But those are a few day three guys. I really wouldn't waste my time with a bunch of them. I think that you can find probably a better receiver on day three. You can find a better corner possibly on day three, corner or safety. There's some good defense backs, yeah. linebackers. There's a lot of other positions that can be touched before interior defensive linemen. To me, I think it's either Davis, Jones, or forget about it. Sure. And one thing to keep in mind, too, is the the trade last year to go up and get um, Isaiah Loudermilk, that affects this year's draft and could be the Steelers kind of saying, hey, we really liked this guy last year. Let's just ride with what he can provide and see um, if we can you know, wait it out another year. So it, it'll be interesting to see, especially with so many other needs. And I think um, – you know, edge rusher, even along that the defensive line or outside linebacker type uh, role in Pittsburgh is probably higher up on the list of things to go after. And, uh, you know, all these other defensive and offensive positions that we've mentioned, if the Steelers do not address defensive tackle in the draft, uh, I don't think we would we should be that surprised uh, outside of the fact that the Steelers love to invest in those types of guys, the front seven, they really believe in how that impacts games. So it'll be interesting to see for sure. Um, I wanted to ask you about one other guy because um, just before we go, the the Alabama product uh, along the defensive line is usually very solid, good players. And uh, you didn't mention uh, Fedarian Mathis in your top five. So where do you see uh, Mathis residing in, in the defensive tackle group going into the draft? I actually had him at number six. I want to say in my mock draft, I had him going in the third round to the Ravens. We know how Baltimore likes their Alabama guys. Yeah. Uh, but I, I I, want to say I had him going there, but I believe I did include him in the third round. I think he's – I mean, he's a very similar mold to what Tyson Alualu is, really. It just depends what the Steelers want at defensive tackle. He's a decent penetrator. I mean, he had two and a half sacks this year in 13 games. Uh, solid athlete. Not great – Functional strength, but good. He has a very good bull rush. Um, he's solid against the run, but he's not the most agile. As he doesn't have quick change of direction skills, which deep, nose tackle, that's not a major concern. But in terms of, uh, you know, just being able to change direction, maybe in the backfield, if he does get through, uh, can he bring a running back down one-on-one? You know, will he be able to, mm-hmm. with a running back's agility, can he maybe make a play in the backfield one-on-one, you know, I'm not sure. That's just a minor concern. Just something that no doubt, I believe Ryland B on the board, on the big board, he did his scouting report. I believe he mentioned that. And that's a valid uh, concern. Sure. Actually, I, I made a mistake. Uh, Federico Mathis had nine sacks in 14 okay. games. I was reading the wrong person's uh, statistics there. That's my bad. Uh, Federico Mathis, he did have nine sacks. He was very productive um, as a pass rusher. Just not sure uh, how that's going to be in the NFL when he's not surrounded by five-star athletes at every spot going against most weeks inferior competition, but yeah, he's another interesting guy. Yeah, he is. And um, well coached at Alabama as all those guys on the defense are. 
And uh, that's something that I think the Steelers could be attracted to is that he was well-coached. He knows how to play multiple spots along that front line, like a lot of these guys do. But the pedigree of this guy played at Alabama, he had that coaching staff, he faced that competition, uh, definitely holds its weight in NFL circles, I think. Uh, You know, Travis Jones, we love the guy. We love his tape. And, you know, the Steelers do value that small school um, or those small school players as well. But maybe a guy like Mathis could jump a guy like Jones in some evaluators' minds because of where he came from. It'll be interesting to see uh, where that that all shakes up as we get closer to draft day. All right, Andrew, it was fun, uh, as always, doing this with you. I think uh, we're going to be talking next week uh about the edge rusher so we'll kind of keep the defensive line and an edge group together uh we'll talk about those guys next week and uh we'll also go over any other free agency things that happen for the Steelers Andrew did you have any final thoughts about the D-line or or free agency or anything before we go today don't think so. We may have another mock draft this week. I'm not going to commit to it just yet, but we might depend on what happens with new free agency moves. There's a lot of things that have changed. So we may get mock 3.0 coming out this week and we'll have one more somewhere in between now in the draft, but sometime soon, keep an eye out for mock 3.0. Absolutely. Stay tuned to behind the steel for all your Steelers news and notes. And don't forget to check out this podcast and others anywhere you get your audio podcasts. Have a great week, Steeler Nation. It's been good to talk with you again. We'll talk to you again next time on the Steelers Draft. Fix.